She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 4. Conduit. And my microphone is plugged in. Yay! <laughs> you know, it's the little things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this episode was written by Alex Ganza and Howard Gordon. It was directed by Daniel Sackheim. It was filmed in Vancouver and Bunsen Lake, British Columbia, from the 25th to the 29th of August in 1993, which is actually right after the last episode that Daniel Sackheim directed, Deep Throat, which was filmed from the 16th to the 23rd. So they just like took a day off. And the original air date was Friday, October 1st, 1993. It had a viewership of 9.2 million in the United States, which is a drop of about 2.8 million from the original episode pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're losing viewers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's about 25%. So. Yeah. Yeah. We shall see. I mean, we obviously know that changes, but. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, fun fact, it turns out Ganza and Gordon wrote the third highest number of episodes this season. That's right. They have like one less than Morgan and Wong. And then, of course, Chris Carter is at number one, which makes sense because he created the series. Yeah, that does make sense that he would write the most. Yeah. I don't know how much that holds beyond season one. Um, We'll find out. I haven't looked at that data, though. But for season one, the ranking is Chris Carter at number one, Morgan and Wong at number two, and Ganza and Gordon at number three. Nice. Yeah. So there's only a few extras left in. So Yeah, a handful written by other people. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So speaking of Ganza and Gordon, why don't you tell us what they wrote for this episode? <laughs> well, the first thing I want to talk about is my expectations for this episode. Uh-oh, that because... doesn't sound good. No, no, it's not that kind of expectation. It oh, was okay. more that like... So I had no memory of the plot of this, except I re- the only thing I remembered was that there was a boy and he was getting information from the television. And that's all I remembered. Yeah. And there's that picture of the little kid, Kevin, and he's sitting in front of the staticky TV. And like, that's the picture that always accompanies everything with this episode. It was like the cover of the VHS tape. It's like, if you search for the episode, that's the photo you see. And it's basically the same photo they use for the cover of Poltergeist, the movie. Yeah, well, and like also, it kind of reminded me of like Haley Joel Osmond in Signs. Oh, okay. Um, but or not Signs, <laughs> Sixth Sense. Signs right. is a totally different movie. Yeah. Um, same director, different movie. But anyway, so like, I I didn't remember the plot except for the getting stuff from television. So I was expecting this episode to be about ghosts or oh, Poltergeist. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, when I walked into it, so <laughs> when I hit play, I was like, this is not what I thought it was. So I was kind of surprised by that. And I'm surprised I didn't remember that because I know this is one of the ones I had on VHS and have seen like a dozen times at least. But for some reason, I just didn't have any memory of the episode. Well, I have to say, and it's in my notes, but we'll as well just dump it out now that I actually have a note that says this is like Poltergeist meets Fire in the Sky. Which was, okay. actually, which, which was actually released on March 12th of 1993 when they were filming the pilot. So I don't know how much that had to play in X-Files of the thing. But yeah, because totally like, I mean, even that shot where he reaches back with Mulder and was like saying like, it's coming from there. That's almost like an exact frame of like the shot with her saying like, they're here <laughs> from Poltergeist. So anyway, but yes, I totally agree. 
So anyway, I was I was surprised that this was not like our first ghost episode, but it is not. <laughs> do we do? So, I'm, do they do ghost episodes? I know there's at least one. I remember okay. at least one. I wasn't sure if ghosts went in there. I mean, it would it would fit, but I like I don't know. Yeah. So okay. But I, I think it's a later season one. I don't remember exactly where in the series it falls. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have like any sort of like pop culture knowledge, it's really hard not to make that connection between this episode and poltergeist i think yeah i think so too and also just like having not seen it in so long i was like oh yeah this is ghosts or something um (laughs) it is not about ghosts yeah that said i'm really surprised that this is not one of the myth arc episodes because we get a lot of connection to like the ufo stuff and we also deal a lot with Mulder and his sister in this episode so i'm really surprised that this one is not a myth arc episode but it's not no, but it does have a lot of character building. And I think, like, this really gives us some idea of Mulder's drive and, like, what's driving him. Like, this episode is all about, like, his motivations. Well, we'll see if we agree about that. <laughs> okay. But I guess we might as well get into that plot synopsis now. Right. So, so this episode, what it's actually about is not ghosts. It's about a teen goes missing near Lake Okoboji, which is a UFO hotspot. And so, of course, Mulder wants to investigate. Blevins is like, uh, I don't think so. And Scully's pretty skeptical. But Mulder argues the case is important because there were a series of UFO sightings from 1967 at the same lake where a Girl Scout troop had had a close encounter. And it turns out the mother of the missing teen was one of those Girl Scouts. Okay, so it maybe was aliens. Maybe. It might have been aliens. We'll find out. Yeah. So we open at Lake Okoboji in Iowa, and it's nighttime, and there's two kids in sleeping bags, and they are, like, sleeping next to a campfire, pretty close to the campfire, and actually, that's not safe. (laughs) That campfire should not be going still. It was 1993. Uh, Kids were, they could do whatever they wanted back then. Yeah. So, um. Because mom is, like, sleeping in the trailer. Like, she's not sleeping outside. Yeah, no, she's in, they have like a camper trailer and she's in the camper trailer. And so it cuts to inside the camper trailer and like stuff starts shaking like it's an earthquake and she's sleeping on the top bunk and then she just falls out of the bunk. Yeah, not convincingly falls out, but yeah, she falls out and then all the like dishes and stuff fall out and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a mess. It's kind of like an earthquake. And we're, you know, I'm from the West Coast, so earthquakes are something I have experienced. And um, actually, the bunk thing. So when I was a kid, we had rented this cabin and we were like cabin camping. And there were like bunk beds, and I was on the top, but I had just brought my sleeping bag. And I was like having a dream about water slides or something. And I woke up and I was like hanging off the bunk bed, like sideways. So, like, I was still in my sleeping bag. And like holding onto the bed, like hanging off. And like I woke up and I just like fell off. And for some reason, that's that's what this reminded me of. It's just like waking up, hanging off a bunk bed. Anyway, personal story. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so she falls off the bunk bed. Everything's kind of shaking around. And then she hears her kids screaming. Yep. So she runs to get out and burned the shit out of her hand on the doorknob. Because apparently the doorknob is like super hot. Yeah. So then she grabs an oven mitt, puts it on the burned hand, and then opens the door. But she opens the door with both hands, so she does, but she doesn't burn her other hand. So I'm not sure how that worked. But anyway, the oven, <laughs> mitt, the oven mitt magically protected both hands. So she runs out, 
and the, her little son is out there saying, Ruby's gone. And so they start, she, she's dragging the kid back and forth across like the campsite, like Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. And then finally she stares up at the sky and is like, Ruby. And then we cut. Right. We get to the theme song. That's right. I'm intentionally doing it wrong so you don't get sued. Anyway. <laughs> so then we get to FBI headquarters and Blevins, it, like Scully's in Blevins' office. And Blevins is mad because Mulder has made this travel request to Iowa. Yeah. And Blevins calls it a tabloid case. And he shows Scully an article where the headline is teen taken from tent by aliens, which she wasn't in a tent. But anyway, it's a catchy headline. I guess, yeah. And Scully's like, yeah, that's weird. And so then he shows Scully the X-File that Mulder has opened on his sister's disappearance. Mm -hmm. And we learned several things from this. Right. So Mulder was 12 and his sister Samantha was 8 when she was abducted. We right. also learned that this happened 21 years ago. So we now know that Mulder is 33. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly how old David Duchovny is. Convenient. So, <laughs> yeah. So he is not playing a different age. Whereas we discussed before, Scully is obviously playing someone a little bit older than she actually, than, than Gillian Anderson is. Just because she right. was, she's almost, she's like eight years younger than David Duchovny. So... Right, so um, Blevins is like, well, I'm going to deny this request because this is ridiculous. And Scully's like, no, no, let me find out what's going on, which I'm not sure what she's going to find out that's going to convince him, but she's going to try. Yeah, and I got to say, Blevins must have got like contacts because in the pilot episodes, he was wearing glasses the whole time, and now he has no glasses. Oh, you know what? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, because I was like, he looks different. Did they get a different actor? And I'm like, no, it's the same guy. But then I went back and checked, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he wears glasses the whole time. It's not like he was, like, wearing them to read and took them off. The whole episode, he's wearing glasses. And now he has no glasses and doesn't wear glasses at all in this episode. So huh. got himself or got himself some LASIK or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, it's government. They probably got good health care. So, yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. But so Scully goes and talks to Mulder. And what does he say? <laughs> so, like always, he pulls out his favorite slide projector. <laughs> And he shows her photos of flying saucers that were taken over Lake Okoboji. And then there's like one and he's like, who do you think took this? And Skelly's like, I don't know, an Air Force pilot? I don't. And he's like, it was a Girl Scout. And she's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently this whole Girl Scout troop had had this close encounter. There were like five or six girls and the, the mom who was like the team leader or whatever. And... Then he reveals that the mother of this missing teenager is Darlene Morris, and she was one of the Girl Scouts who had yeah. originally seen the UFO. Ooh, okay. So is that enough connection for Blevins to approve this trip? I mean, we assume so, because then Mulder and Scully are in Iowa. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> so I would guess, I would guess right. that he okay. rubber stamped it or whatever. Okay. Scully talked him into it. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So then they're in Iowa and they show up at the Morris residence and Darlene Morris, the mother, she is like very relieved to see them. She was like, if I, I knew if I talked loud enough, screamed loud enough, someone would eventually come, but I wasn't expecting it to be the FBI, but she's obviously desperate to find her daughter. So she offers them coffee and introduces their son Kevin, but like he and they're like, "Hey, Kevin!" And he like does he's like writing stuff at the table and just does not pay attention to them. 
Right. So, He's not interested. Yep. So then they go into the kitchen and have some coffee and start talking. And before they do that, though, Mulder stops, like hangs back a little bit. Scully starts to follow Darlene Morris into the kitchen. But then she turns back and Mulder is kind of hanging back. He's looking at photos of Ruby. And there's like a big row of photos, like on a end table or bookcase or something. And he starts, I have to admit, a little pedo because he starts like fingering the picture of her as a little girl in a bathing suit, which is kind of creepy. I get it. It's because like she's at that age that his sister was in that photo. It just seemed a little creepy for like of all the photos of her. Cause there's photos of her, like, you know, current ones of her as a teenager and thing. And he's kind of like rubbing his fingers on the one of a little girl in a bathing suit. So it's a little mm-hmm. creepy, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely supposed to echo Sam. And I think we know that, but yeah. I totally get it. It's a little weird. It's like, really? And then Scully's watching him and she's got like this face and she's like, oh, he misses his sister. Like she knows what's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. They go into the kitchen and Darlene tells them the same story she told the cops in the newspaper. And then, of course, Scully mentions her divorce and asks if there's a possibility maybe the ex took her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Darlene's like, no. And like she she has obviously spent her whole life dealing with Scully's. And yep. so she's just like, you know, I know what you're thinking. Like, but I know what happened. Yeah, because Mulder asks if he can go. Because then she mentions that like Kevin was outside when when Ruby got abducted, and right. so Mulder's like, "Is it okay if I go talk to him?" She's like, "Sure." And he's apparently moved because I'm I'm guessing they're sitting at the table that he was sitting at, or maybe they're in a table in the kitchen. But Kevin has since relocated. He's not at the table anymore. But anyway, Mulder goes and talks to him, and then she's talking about how like you know she's talk to people about UFOs like her whole life and that whenever you start talking about them, people get this look in their eye, that same look that you've got. So she totally calling Scully out. It's like, you think I'm crazy. Right. So, yeah. But Mulder goes and talks to Kevin. Kevin's sitting in front of the TV. So he's, the TV is just static and he's sitting in front writing on a piece of paper. Yeah. And, and it's that really annoying like the kind of static that would come on when like your cable got disconnected or like there was a power, not a power outage, but something, you know, the cable went down and it was like so irritating. Like I can't imagine sitting in front of that for like <laughs> hours, but clearly this kid does. Yeah. So he's just sitting there in front of it and he keeps looking up the TV and then he'll go and write stuff in his little, on his pieces of paper. And Mulder's like, you know, like, what are you doing? And he's like, and he just kind of doesn't answer. He's like, are you working on something? And the kid's like, you know, just kind of shakes his head. Mm-hmm. And then Mulder asks if he can look at it. And he's like, okay. So then like a kid hasn't really talked at all, but he like turns around and hands him the stuff. And then it's just a bunch of zeros and ones. So it's basically, it's binary code. Right. And then he points to the TV and he's like, it's coming from there. And Mulder's like, what is going on? There's something going <laughs> on here. So then we, then we cut. So that's all we get. Mulder looks back down at the paper and we cut. Boom. Yeah. Now we're in, I guess, like a sheriff's office. Yeah, I think they're at the sheriff's office and Mulder's faxing the drawing to somebody and he's on the phone while he's faxing it over. And he's like, I'll get you NFL tickets if you like look at this for me and try and tell me what it is. And so yeah, this is apparently a recurring and I don't know if this is a recurring off screen character or just a, someone who's eventually going to be like played by a, an actor at some point. But it's his buddy Danny, who is actually Daniel Bernstein from the cryptology section of the FBI. 
And we actually get his phone number. It's 202-555-4524. (laughs) And we also get more date stamping because we find out that the fax is actually dated August 26th. So we now know when the story takes place. It takes place August 26th. Nice. Don't get a year, just August 26th. I assume they're still in 93. I'm going to assume so also, which is convenient because they filmed this episode between the 25th and 29th of 1993. So maybe this was actually, maybe this was actually filmed on the 26th when that's what they wrote on the facts. Possibly. Yeah. But Scully's talking to the sheriff while Mulder's talking to his buddy. Yeah. So like the sheriff was, he grew up with Darlene Morris. And so he's like, she's been telling UFO stories and she was in first grade. Yeah. Which means she must be like, a year younger than Mulder because if she was in the first grade when this stuff happened and it was 1967, that's only 26 years. So she's got to be like 32. She looks older right. than 32, but she anyway. does. She looks a little older, but maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe she didn't moisturize or use sunscreen. I mean, and the sheriff definitely looks older than Mulder. Yeah. So maybe so, none of them use sunscreen. Yeah. Use sunscreen. Unless kids. maybe she was a big UFO person before. 67? I mean, who? I mean, the Girl Scouts, I don't know how old people are usually in the Girl Scouts. So, first yeah, grader. Like, first grader seems possible, but maybe that's brownies. I don't know. So. No, I think brownies are like kindergarten. I was in brownies. I think okay. it was kindergarten. And then Girl Scouts is like, which brownies are Girl Scouts anyway. So, okay. Yeah. It's just like the younger kids. So, yeah. I just, I'm, I just, I'm just always on the math on this show. I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> no, it's okay. It's interesting. <laughs> I mean, she did look older. I would have pegged her at like 45 maybe. Yeah. Well, she was the actress who played Darlene was actually born in 45. So, yeah, she was definitely older. Yeah. So she was in her late 40s at this time. Right. 48. So, yeah. 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 So she was, yeah, close to 50, which makes sense. I could see that. And then the sheriff is also like, Ruby's run off before. She's a teen. Teens run off. And so they're basically just not doing anything. Like, they searched the woods. They didn't find her. And he's just like, well, she'll either come back or she won't. Yeah. And Mulder kind of gets on him about this, too. Like, he's accusing him of, like, so you ignored it. And he's like, I put it in my report. He's like, okay, but you didn't do anything about it. Did you, like, search the woods, et cetera, kind of stuff. And so that doesn't really go over well with Scully when they're leaving. Oh, yeah. She's kind of upset that she's like, you shouldn't be like, what is she saying? Antagonizing the local law enforcement. Yeah. He's like, what? I was just being my charming self or something. He's like, I'll send him, yeah. a, I'll send him a bunt cake. And then he sees a paper in his, in his window wiper, which at first I thought was that they got a ticket while they were in front of the sheriff's department. And I'm like, oh, burn. But, <laughs> I know I did too. I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, so parking yeah, ticket. He really did antagonize him. He like called up and said, "Hey, give these BI agents a ticket." But no, it wasn't a ticket. It was a note saying, "I'm across the street. Follow me." So they look up and like they see this young woman, and she's just like, once like she sees them look at her, she like disappears into the library. And I was like, "Yay, library scene!" Because <laughs> I love libraries, so that was exciting for yep, me. So they go into the library <laughs> and they like looking through the stacks. And then they hear a voice through the stack across like a stack, like the person is like in the next row. And so they're talking between the rows of books. Yeah. And this girl, apparently I, I call her a girl. I mean, she's probably like 17, like Ruby was 16, mm-hmm. 17. And she goes to school with Ruby. So she knows her. And she says that Ruby was pregnant, that she had as a boyfriend named Greg Randall and that they were planning to run off together. And if I have to admit at first, 
I kind of just assumed that that was Ruby. You know, I kind of wondered too, because like we don't see her much in the opening and they look really similar. Like they're both blonde. They have that like Farrah Fawcett-y kind of like blonde feathered hair and they both look so similar. So I had the same thought. I was like, is this Ruby just messing with them? And I'm not sure because like the shot, like, you know, like the cut back and forth of like her talking to them and them talking to her. It's like, we see her face through like some slanted books. I don't know. I mean, obviously if that was like the real point of view, then Scully and Mulder could see her. But I don't know if it was supposed to be intended they actually did see her or not, or if they were just talking to like a voice from behind the books. I'm not sure. I think they did, but they've only seen photos. And you know how sometimes people in photos don't really look. Yeah. yeah so who knows? But I, that was my first thought, but it's not her. No, and they didn't think it was possibly her. So yeah, they yeah. didn't. That was us, that was the us. viewers going, is that yeah. Ruby just messing with but them? But then the librarian drops a bunch of books behind them. And they stop to help her a little bit and they turn around and the girl's gone and they look and they can't find her. So didn't get a name, but she did tell them that Greg Ruby's boyfriend works at this place called Pennsylvania pub. Yep. So at least they have a lead to go on. So they head to Pennsylvania pub, which is a biker bar. Yeah. It's a filthy looking one. And Scully the whole time looks like she's trying really hard not to touch anything. She's just like, I'm going to get in and out of here. And, and she got some comments when she was in. Cause they were like, Ooh, like I heard one person was like, Ooh, a real, a real lady is coming through or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they go up to the bar and ask if Greg Randall's there. And the bartender turns around and is like, who's asking. And I have to say times haven't been so great for ogre. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. but yeah, it's the actor from, Revenge of the Nerds playing the bartender. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, yeah. he so many people in this show just look really familiar because they were just on so many things in like the nineties. So it's like that yeah. guy looks familiar. No, he's been in a, he's in a lot of stuff. So yeah. He actually interestingly, he actually is now like the co owner and like the spokesman for a bar in Chicago that sells ogre beer. So oh. yeah. but so he's playing the bartender here and then now he owns a bar. And Sills cool. Beer, named after Ogre, his character from Revenge of the Nerds. So, but yeah, so he's the bartender. He's all tattooed up and studs and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, who's asking? Because they asked about Greg. And they're and right. like, FBI. And they're like, oh, crap. What did he get himself into this time? They're like, well, we're hoping you could tell us. And he's like, well, if you find him, tell him he's fired because he hasn't shown up for work for three weeks. So. Right. So he vanished around the time Ruby disappeared and they're about to leave. And cause you know, that does kind of corroborate the story that they both ran off. Mm -hmm. They're both gone at the same time. And then Mulder notices the guy has this big flying saucer tattoo on his shoulder. Right. And so then this is my, I love how Mulder plays this (laughs) off. He he decides to just pretend he's Scully and he's like, what's that? Is that a UFO? Those seem fake. Like he's totally Mm -hmm. like, well, first those are real. First he says, he says, Oh, that's a nice, the dude is like covered in tattoos and he's like, Oh, nice tattoo. What is that? So assuming the guy's going to know exactly what he's talking about, but apparently he does because he's like, Oh, what do you think it is? And Mulder's like <laughs> a UFO. And he's like, yeah. And then like you said, Mulder goes into his, uh, that's bunk, which he, yeah. I wonder if he like remembered those lines from the, the dude from deep throat episode who was playing a reporter. Remember? And he was like, those things are bunk. So I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. He's totally just like playing that guy. He's like, yeah, UFOs aren't a thing. That's not true. And so 
Kip, who is the name of the bartender, which we don't learn in the episode, but apparently was in the script because he's not named in the episode itself. But Kip says that if you went out to, uh, I keep wanting to say Okapogo. <laughs> it's Okaboji. Okaboji. He and Skelly even joke about it in the first scene yeah. where they're talking about it. And he's like, Okaboji, Okaboji. He gets really close to her ear and he's like, Okaboji. Yeah, he's like, Okaboji. <laughs> Which apparently is like an actual real lake in Iowa, except for it's yeah. not spelled how they spell it. It's actually it's oh. actually spelled O-K-O-B-O-J-I in real life. And it's actually about 100 miles northeast of Sioux City. Whereas here it's O-K-O-B-O-G-E-E. And it's apparently like right on the outskirts of town because you can just right. go there without any trouble. But yeah, but he tells them, well, if you should go out to Okaboji, and if you do, then you might see things, things that will change your mind. And then he starts to turn it around and we think like he's just going to give Mulder his back, but he actually halfway through pulls back his long hair and he's just got like the burned remains of what's left of his ear and says, you'll get a sunburn in the middle of the night. And then puts his ear yeah. back and walks away. And Scully looks repulsed. She does. And also, <laughs> it's like a really good makeup job. Like, no, it, it looks, no, it looks like, really good. Yeah, it looks like his ear. It's really well done. It does look like someone's yeah. ear got burned off. And I think Scully also is, I think she's repulsed, but I think she's also just like confused because like he's basically corroborating this alien story. Mm-hmm. And Scully's like, what? Yeah. Like that? That had to have happened some way. How did that yeah. really happen? And I think I, I want to say, I'm, I need to go back and look to verify this. So I'm just <laughs> going to say this out of my imagination. It may be real. It may not be real. I think he still had some piercings in like the burned remains of his ear. I could be wrong. Ooh, maybe. Yeah, but I don't remember. But They got really creative with the makeup. No, it looks but it looks good. really good. I do have to say, <laughs> though, that, re- that brings me to another thing about like some... Obviously, in hindsight, not while I'm thinking about what, well, not while I'm watching, but like after the episode and like I'm going back looking at my notes. So, like, the sheriff is like, Darlene's been telling these stories ever since she was in the first grade. She's a crazy person. No one believes the UFO stuff, right? Everyone totally discards it. We find out later from Darlene that she's been ridiculed her whole life for these stories that she's been telling about UFOs. Mm-hmm. And yet, at the same time, everyone in town and everyone outside of town knows that this place is a UFO hotspot. Like, the cognitive distance there seems strange. Like, Yeah. I mean, I get it. You're thinking, like, well, there's a bunch of crazy people in town who think there's UFOs there. But, like, it just seems kind of weird that, like, both things are existing at the same time. Like, someone can be, like, so ridiculed for saying stuff that, like, another part of the population, like, totally is like, yes, definitely. And, like, there are news stories and national stories about how this is a UFO hotspot. But. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's true in real life, though, because there are places that are like real UFO hotspots. And there are a lot of people who will tell you, oh, yeah, no, I saw UFOs off my porch. I see them all the time. I see them up in the street. I see them when I'm driving. But like, there's a lot of people who are like, no, that's silly. It's just like a military test plane. It's just lights. These people are imagining it. So I think like in a small town, you're going to have that section of people who have like been out to the lake and seen stuff and you're gonna have that section of people who are like they were partying at the lake drinking and they saw stuff and i it's not necessarily reliably true but i do understand i do get the disconnect because it is like obviously there are people in this town 
that are very pro UFO who would not be ridiculing Darlene. Yeah. And I hope she has a lot of good friends in that circle. It doesn't sound that way. It doesn't. We'll find out later. But maybe because yeah, she doesn't hang out at biker bars. Maybe. Maybe she doesn't need to hang out. Well, her daughter possibly did because apparently <laughs> her daughter was just running around all the time and she was hanging out with Greg who worked there, even though she's right. apparently <laughs> underage. So there's another little creepy stage that happens in Iowa where dudes who work in bars date underage girls. But hey, yeah. Impregnate <laughs> them. So <laughs> oh, that's a whole other thing. Speaking of small towns, we then cut to the place where Mulder and Scully are staying. <laughs> right. And, and I had to write this down in my notes because I thought it was hilarious. It's called the Stay and Save Motel. And I was like, that is classy AF, FBI. The yeah. Stay and Save. I was going to say, I saw this in your notes that you put online that we go over, right? When we're doing our episode rundowns. And I was like, holy crap. Did they actually do I had to go back and double check to make sure that, that wasn't like the little like timestamp on the episode where they'd like tell you the location. Cause I was like, did they really put the stay in safe motel? They didn't. It's just, you see the sign. Right. So, Which I mean, really isn't that bad, but it's just one of those things where yeah. if you're driving along the highway and it was like that or like a best Western, you'd probably pick the best. Well, Western. Especially cause their sign looks a lot like a gas station sign. It doesn't, yeah. look, it doesn't look like a motel <laughs> sign. It's like a gas station sign. Which does make me think, like, did Blevins not approve the expenses then? Because they're staying in the little rundown motel. Well, maybe not rundown, but low-budget motel. Or is that just, like, the government is cheap? So, I mean, um, Or I mean, maybe, like, for that case, they're like, okay, you can go, but your budget's like this. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, he had to approve it because if they just took off to Iowa for no reason, they would probably be in trouble. Cause that would be, like, yeah. dereliction of duty and disregarding orders and what have you yeah but, i don't think the government likes it when you kind of abandon your post so yeah. and i really doubt like scully would approve to like use her vacation time to go to iowa with Mulder. <laughs> so. no probably not <laughs> especially at this point no no yeah so they're at the hotel it doesn't is the shot we get of the motel is it nighttime when we see the motel i think so yeah okay i don't remember it being nighttime it looked daytime maybe it was just well lit like the sign and everything. I think probably. it's well lit, but it is okay. nighttime because Scully is in bed. That's where I was going with this. Yeah, because she's obviously, it is nighttime because yeah. she's in bed. Yep. And she sees people like walking past the room and like it's creepy. And then they just burst into her room. Yep. She eyes and... her gun. Once again, she has her gun too far away from where she's at in her motel room. Like last time in Deep Throat, she like left it in the motel room when she left the room and now she's sleeping and it's like apparently she leaves it like across the room instead of like on her end table but yeah but they bust in and we it turns out it's the nsa right and they're like demanding to know where Mulder is which if they know where scully is why don't they know where Mulder is maybe they just got the yeah i i don't know because like they're not sharing a room so if you were at yeah. the front desk getting the room <laughs> number like yeah I don't, maybe they're just trying to see, maybe they think Mulder knows they're onto him. And so he's like hiding in her room. So, and her room's first. So they just like burst in first. Yeah, and they're like, 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 if you're, like, if you're looking for Mulder, why wouldn't you just burst into Mulder's room? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the NSA. Let's not give them too much credit. Yeah, but then apparently, I'm they... sorry, NSA, don't turn <laughs> off my cell phone. Please, I need it. <laughs> but anyway, so they eventually end up in Mulder's room 
Yeah, and, and so Mulder's sitting there, and they're like, he's putting on a shirt because fan service, I guess. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, hey, where did you get those documents? And he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> like, what documents? And they're like, you're going back to Washington for insubordination, and you're going to tell us where you got this stuff from. And, and he still has, has no idea whether, like, truthfully or not, he has no idea what they're talking about. So they finally decide to tell him, and it turns out it was that copy of ones and zeros from Kevin that he sent to his buddy. So whether his buddy like narked him out or what, we don't know, but somehow they found out and it turns out that it's some decrypted version of some spy satellite transmission. Right. So. Which is really creepy because a little kid drew it. <laughs> yeah. So then they want to know where he got it from and Mulder's like, I don't have to tell you where I got it from. But anyway, apparently Scully didn't have any predilection to not tell them because they get a call and he's like okay cool we got it and they go out the door and Scully's standing there and Mulder's like why did you tell them so I'm not sure what happened there like if Scully told him in the other room and then the agent called the guy and said we now know and then they came over to this room don't know but anyway yeah it seems a little convoluted but yeah Scully did tell them and I'm sure Scully's thinking like, this is a mistake. This is, like, some kid's drawing. Like, there's no way that this is a national security threat. You guys are... And I'm sure her telling them was, like, hey, guys, this was a little kid's drawing. There's nothing nefarious here. And they're, like, it's a kid. Let's get his address. And, like, freaking out. Yeah, and so then we cut to his address. And they are, yes. and they are, they are ripping his books off the shelves. They broke oh it. They broke his piggy bank. They're I know they're like tearing his little kid drawings off the down wall. off the wall. Yeah. It's like vicious. Like flipping through all his little kid books and just throwing them on the ground. They find this like ream of paper the kid has been written ones and zeros on though and like grab this whole ream of paper and like drop it into a box. But they're like scraping all his like knickknacks and books into a box. They're going to take all those and just like just trash in the place. Rip throwing all his clothes out of the drawer and everything. And yeah. Then, and then they grab the kid and the mom and are taking them away. Yeah, and they're mean about it, too. They, like, separate them and put them in different cars. Yeah, he's and like, mom. Screaming and yeah. It's so awful. And Scully looks absolutely horrified. Like, she clearly regrets her decision. Yeah, yeah good job, Scully. Good <laughs> She's job. not. She did not think this would happen. And I don't blame her because, like, why would you? Because it's the NSA. Yeah, I know. But, like, Skelly has more faith in the government than most of us do these days. U.S. government separating kids from parents since uh, probably forever. Anyway. Probably longer than 93, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. Reality just keeps bursting in. Yeah, but Mulder is just, like, <laughs> like looking at them heartbroken. And, like, Darlene Morris is just, like, giving him, like, the dirtiest of looks. And he's, right. like, he's just wanting to, like, it wasn't us. But they drive off and he's yeah, some crushed. Yeah, well, and, like, I don't blame her. I'd be pissed, too. <laughs> so then they go back in the house, and, like, Mulder's, like, makes a comment about, wow, you guys are doing, like, superior work here, and, like, a nice, delicate hand. So, and he's, like, picking up the broken piggy bank and trying to put mm -hmm. stuff back on the shelves, and then they all leave, and... Yeah, well, I guess there's nothing else to take. <laughs> So they're in his, they're in Kevin's room and Mulder's like looking out the window. He's kind of leaning on it. He's like really defeated and he's clearly upset. And then he notices like he outside their camper van thing is parked outside. 
and he can see it from above and he can see that the top looks totally black like it looks like coal yeah it's like all scorched up from yeah we're assuming from the heat that made the doorknob so hot that she was so he goes down yeah so he goes downstairs and scully watches him from upstairs and he like climbs up on a ladder and touches the top of the trailer stuff and it's definitely like ash so that whole thing has been scorched to death so, so i'm assuming it's like the burned paint although the top of trailers is usually like just like clean metal like it's usually shiny but yeah it's whatever whether that's supposed to be like the metal itself is ashy or like it was painted and i guess sometimes they're painted white yeah maybe it was like the white paint was all just but it's all just totally burned up and he's like rubbing it through his fingers and so then we cut back to uh the FBI office. Uh, I, oh, apparently the satellite office in Iowa, which I have to admit confused me because I thought they were back in D.C. for a second because they're like hanging out in an FBI office. But Yeah, I think they're in an FBI office and I wasn't sure if it was NSA or FBI, but then I think it was just an FBI satellite office. And they have that. I guess that's where Darlene and her son were probably taken. Uh, but Mulder and Scully are talking to Agent Lisa Atsumi and she's explaining some of the stuff that was in Kevin's ones and zeros drawing. So she's basically saying it was mostly harmless and she pulls up this computer program that can translate the ones and zeros into like whatever mm-hmm. is being represented by them. And so it's got like a piece of Da Vinci's art and it's got like a section of classical music yep. and just like all this a DNA double helix strand, right? which is computer animated and spinning. So very fancy. Yeah, and so it's all these little pieces of culture and information, and it seems like the satellite transmission was just an anomaly. And Mulder says, oh, so it's kind of like someone's changing the channel. Yeah, I admit the first thing I thought of, because they showed like, you know, the da Vin- the famous Da Vinci drawing of, you know, the I, it's, I can't remember what the exact, it starts with a V, but I'm not going to try and pronounce it, but the guy in the circle in the square right that picture and then it's got the you know the double helix dna and it's got the piece of music my first thought was the voyager disc yeah because all that stuff's on there i think yeah i'd have to look i'm not sure exactly what's on yeah but Mulder's like oh it's like someone's like just like picking up channels like scanning like you know bandwidth from the planet and just scanning the bandwidth of things being transmitted and that's what they're picking up so but they're like, I guess they decide that it wasn't really a security breach and they can let them go. So they're going to let Kevin and his mom leave and yeah. Mulder and Scully meet her in the hallway and she's furious and she doesn't want them to come near her at all. She just yep. wants her daughter back and she wants them to leave her alone. Yep. She's like, I want my daughter back, but you guys just need, I don't want to talk to you at all. Nope. Right. Nope. Nope. Stay out of my face. Yep. Leave my kid alone. So Mulder is upset, obviously. Because one, like, he was trying to help these people, and now they want nothing to do with him. But also, he thinks that Kevin was in some way, like he says, touched by Ruby's abduction. And that's why he is like, he's got some connection that is enabling him to read the signals in the static that's being, like, transmitted by whoever abducted Ruby. So. Yeah. And Scully's kind of like, hmm. Yeah, maybe, but I think she kind of realizes that he's also is thinking back to his sister and yeah. Kevin is a lot like, I mean, ages are flipped, but Kevin is a lot like Mulder, you know, as far as like, he's the, he's the one who's left behind. Right, absolutely. So. so he definitely relates to the kid and he obviously, and I think, I mean, there's obviously a part of Mulder that definitely believes that if he can find Ruby, he can find Sam, like... 
that is a connection that's in his head whether he realizes or not. So I think he's extra desperate to find her because it does connect so deeply to his sister's disappearance. And there is a little scene right before Darlene and Kevin leave because when she's talking to Scully and Mulder, she has him like go over to the side. Right. And then she, when she goes to get him, he's been watching the security cameras and is very intent. And I have to say the kid who plays Kevin is really good at being both like the creepy kid, but also like super intent, like not always creepy, but also like he's a cute little kid. Right. But he's, right. but he's very good at looking very seriously and very intent. Cause he's like, staring at those security cameras or not the cameras, but he's at the, at the monitors. Right. Mm -hmm. And they never pick up on that. But I wonder like, was he, was he getting information from those too? So is he getting stuff, not just from the TV static, but is he picking up things from any like kind of TV monitor? I wasn't sure. Cause he's very, cause he's very intent at looking at them. He is. And I also say like one of my notes was the kid is not as creepy as I expected him to be. Like he is a really, he seems like a genuinely sweet kid who's like just dealing with this creepy experience of like handling stuff. I went back and looked at a a snippet of Poltergeist because I wanted to see like, because like when he, like I mentioned earlier, when he turns back to give Mulder that that sheet of paper, it's Mm -hmm. basically like the same framing of the shot from Poltergeist of her with the they're here thing but i wasn't sure if that was just me making that up so i went actually watch that segment again that girl's creepy as mm, man she is creepy <laughs> anyway so yeah but no he's not i said he was like a creepy little kid he's not really creepy he's but he's very good he's a very good child actor he is he's and able, he's very intense yeah he's very able to be intent yes so uh so they go out to the lake uh well and like Mulder's going to go out to the lake. Scully chases after him. She's like, you're not going to find your sister or whatever. And he's mm-hmm. like, eh, I'm going to try. Um, and so. <laughs> yeah. And basically tells her like, you can come with me or don't. I really don't care. Right. But apparently she so they does. Go, so. Yeah, she goes with him. She's, you know, she's already there. Blevins has already paid for the trip. Like, yeah, let's go. So they go out to the lake and they, they find the campsite, which has like the crime scene tape around it. Mm-hmm. And they are looking at stuff and Mulder picks up a piece of like glass in the sand that I guess means there was extreme heat that had like turned the sand into glass. Yeah. And then he points to some trees in the distance that have like the tops of the trees are all singed. Yeah. I have problems with this just logistically because if you're a UFO and you're hovering over an area close enough to like, burn the top of a camper and turn sand to glass and you're abducting a child from that area and the other child is not burned or singed in any way yeah i do not understand logistically how that works maybe it was like off to the side anyway yeah and maybe- w- and one little pe- one little area of sand by the water is also like turned to glass because it got so hot in that one little section but then yeah like you said like the grass where they were sleeping is not scorched Right, and they, the kid's not burned. They weren't burned, so. but it burned the top of the trailer and apparently burned the trees way up higher. So, yeah. So, I don't know if it was like some kind of beam they shot down that burned things and only touched, I don't know. Anyway. It, death rays. Actually, it didn't death make rays. a lot of sense. They're like, but hey, anyway. that's that girl that took that picture of us 20-something years ago. Get her! And I like, tried to burn the trailer and it didn't work. So, like, okay, let's take her daughter. But maybe, maybe yeah. they're vengeful aliens. Yeah. But yeah, so whether vengeful aliens with death rays or just, you know, 
story weirdness, trying to make things seem interesting without actually thinking about the physics of how that would work. It happens. It's TV. But aside from that, Mulder starts going around looking for more stuff and Scully sees a wolf. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a coyote. Okay, I'm not sure what the difference is between the two. I read wolf, but I don't know. I, I wrote down white wolf, and then I was like, no, that's a coyote. They're a little smaller, Okay. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. I've seen real coyotes that used to live in the meadow behind my house where we would camp sometimes because we're, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> But it kind of looks like a whitish coyote but I mean, anyway it is, it, yeah it is it is slenderer than what you normally think of a wolf but like i'm not a wolf expert so yeah they <laughs> saw some dog-like creature <laughs> and it goes it kind of is like whining and whimpering and then it turns around and runs back into the woods and Mulder's like oh hell and like runs after the dog basically. right I'm, which, I'm gonna call it a dog it's a dog i don't know but it's going to be a dog. So yeah, and like, don't don't run after a wolf or a coyote. That's not smart. They're pack hunters. Well, he has so a gun. <laughs> but anyway, he chases after. It. I'm not sure what. I guess because, I mean, at this point, he's looking for anything. Yeah. And he gets into the forest, and there are a bunch of these coyotes and/or wolves mm-hmm. standing on this shallow grave. Yep. And so he pulls out his gun, and points it at the sky, and boom. And they're kind of like, all right. And just like kind of walk away. Like, I think he was expecting to scare them all away. But they're kind of like, oh, some crazy dude with a gun. All right, let's leave. So they kind of like just meander off. (laughs) And like, we don't have time for this today. We'll come back. And of course, Scully comes a running because she just heard a gunshot. Right. Right. So she's like, oh, you know, and he's like, what is it? And he's like, I don't know. It looks like a grave because there's like a bunch of rocks piled up where the dogs were digging and they kneel down at it. And he's like, Oh, it's a shallow grave by the smell of it. And then he just starts taking rocks off. <laughs> like he starts, <laughs> just starts pulling rocks. Like Mulder has a really bad for like an FBI agent. Who's an, a very accomplished FBI agent. He just grabs the shit out of evidence all the time. Like in the first episode, the, like when the, the coffin falls and the coroner <laughs> dude is like, we can't be doing this. This isn't protocol. And Mulder's like, oh, well, and just like opens the coffin. And then like, he's grabbing evidence from like, you know, Tombs's location and just, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I was going to say, he does <laughs> your favorite thing. He just grabs evidence and yep. starts touching. Although this time, thankfully, like Scully is like, Mulder, you can't touch that. It's a crime scene. And he does not stop right away. No, and he I'm- kind of does it. And she kind of like, uh, and like puts her arm on his shoulder or on his, on his arm, like on his bicep. And then he kind of stops and then we cut to there's a big <laughs> team of people there now, finally. Yeah. So they're actually processing the scene correctly yep. in the way that you do when you want to catch a murderer, Mulder. <laughs> you don't put your fingerprints on everything and yep. mess things up. And so they're pretty sure it's Ruby. And then one of the dudes removes a rock and that's not Ruby. It's a dude. No. It's yeah. a dude. It's not her. So they it turns out... Male Caucasian. <laughs> yeah. They get his wallet, hand it to the sheriff. The sheriff opens it, and it turns out that it is Greg Randall. Is, yeah, not surprising. The other person who was missing. So. Yep. so then Mulder asks if he can look at it, and the guy's like, okay. And I really thought Mulder was just going to take it 
and like not have gloves on because like the sheriff has gloves on but he does turn to the side and there's a convenient set of gloves just like laying in this open box behind him so he puts them on while he's putting them on though the sheriff rubs his chin with the gross dead dude wallet <laughs> like he's like waiting for him he's like hmm, 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 and, like rubbing his chin with it <laughs> and then hands it over to Mulder. So if you ever wonder why the murder solve rate in your county is very low, <laughs> it's probably because of people like yeah, these. or why your like sheriff is like sick from bubonic oh, plague or something. Like, <laughs> dead guy oh, wallet. Oh man. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> yeah. so Mulder's looking through it, and I have to say, like, going back to check on this scene because I wanted to double check something. So Mulder puts on the gloves, right? And they're like super loose on his hands. And then we get the close up of him looking through the wallet. They are super tight. And you can, like, see through them. Like, you can see, like, the hair on his hands through the gloves. And then they cut back to, you know, David Duchovny again. And the gloves are, like, super white and, like, super baggy on his hands. So, mm. probably wasn't David Duchovny looking through that wallet. But he <laughs> finds he finds a little note in the wallet. There's a bunch of money in the wallet. And then there's a little handwritten note that says uh, a doctor's name, who I forget. And that there's an appointment for August 7th, which is David Duchovny's birthday. Anyway, oh. yeah. But yeah, there's a, doctor, there's a doctor's appointment. So that was probably the doctor's appointment that Ruby went to, right? Him and Ruby are going to go to that doctor's appointment. That's the doctor they went to, and that's the date of the appointment, which was about three weeks ago, based on the time frame we're looking at, because this is probably like the 27th now, so right. about 20 days ago. Yeah. And the sheriff was like, oh, I know that doctor. He delivered all my kids. We can right. find out who had that appointment. But also the handwriting uh, is very familiar. Yeah. It looks a lot like the handwriting on the note that was left on their car. Yeah. So we cut. So the, the sheriff is like, we can find out who had that appointment. And then we cut to Mulder, like making a photocopy of the doctor's appointment note and matching it up to the note that, you know, He's a good FBI agent. He saved the note from his car, right? And like <laughs> the letters totally match. Yeah. So. So it turns out that it was the mysterious young woman who talked to them in the library. Yep. Her name is Tessa, apparently. Her name is Tessa. And so she is in the interrogation room now because they're going to ask her some questions. Yep. Because she made the appointment. Right. And so that would be weird if that was Ruby's baby that yeah. she's making an appointment. So Greg for her. apparently actually knocked her up, not. Ruby and Mulder's playing bad cop hardcore in this oh, one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely he goes in and Scully's kind of like I can't tell if she's impressed or surprised, but she's definitely like She definitely gets he definitely like makes her jump a couple times. Yeah, she's definitely not expecting it either way. Because he's um, like cuz Mulder's all like and so like you were upset because he was going to meet with Ruby, right? And then you snuck up behind him and Bam! And he like smacks the table, and then you you know shot him in the back of the head, and so that made Scully jump. And then he's like, and then bam! You killed Ruby. Where'd you bury her? And she's like, I didn't bury her. It's like, well, you killed her. You don't remember where you buried her? And he's she's like, well, she wasn't even there that night. Oh, classic slip up. Classic slip yep. up. So yeah, how she, would you know that if you weren't there? Yeah, I mean that is that is Law and Order one hundred and one right there. Yep. Dun dun. <laughs> so obviously tessa was the one who was pregnant not ruby and clearly she was like trying to throw Mulder and scully off her trail by 
suggesting that it was Ruby's baby mm-hmm. and they ran off together. But Tessa is pretty adamant that she didn't kill Ruby. Apparently she does confess to Greg's murder because right. we don't really, other than her slip up, we don't see that, but we do hear from Mulder and Scully that she confessed mm-hmm. because now the authorities are going to sweep the woods and Scully's like Mulder this girl is probably dead. Like Tessa's not going to admit to it till we find the body, but obviously she killed this guy and maybe he was sleeping around. And so she was jealous. So she killed both of them, but Mulder is not convinced. Nope. I'd have to say though, not the best idea to like involve yourself with law enforcement. If you've committed a crime by trying to divert, because like Mm -hmm. what would be the, like, Oh, this girl disappeared. They probably ran off. Then they're eventually going to find the guy's body. And if they figure out that it was you, like, that's just not smart. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what Ted Bundy did, though. I mean, that's what a lot of them do is they're mm-hmm. like, let's get involved and then we'll look like we're in his. I guess Ted Bundy didn't really, but they all they all try and get involved yeah. and be close because that's what they think that they can learn information and keep themselves safe. And like it ends up usually not going well for those people because then you're close to the cops and they can be like, hey, didn't you say this one thing? How come we're finding this now? Yeah, although I think that's more of a thing with serial killers, and we're not going to assume that Tessa was a serial killer in training, <laughs> but who knows? She probably was not. But they do think she killed two people at this point, so right. I think she probably figured out that like Ruby was missing, she had killed this guy, she had a convenient story. If she could just pass that off, like yeah. the heat would be off her, and no one would be looking for Greg, because obviously he ran off with Ruby. But like you said, Mulder refuses to believe that he still thinks like, nope, she was abducted. And we got the whole thing like, what's going on with Kevin? How would that have anything to do with, you know, her being killed by Tessa? So they decide to go back, even though they don't want anything to do with Scully and Mulder anymore. They decide <laughs> to head back to the Morris's house. Right. Which, and, I, you know, you do what you have to, I yeah. guess. They go to knock on the door, but apparently the door isn't locked. I don't know. Was the door ajar, or did they just, like, knock and no one answered, so they tried the doorknob? I didn't get that part. I don't remember, but I know that they do walk in, and, like, it's empty, but recently empty. Like, yeah. people left in a hurry. There's still the a TV's... kettle on the stove. Yeah, and there's the a kettle, like, on. whistling. The TV's on. Kevin's watching static. And there's a bunch of his zero and one drawings, his binary drawings laid out, like actually laid out like in a grid pattern, like a probably like what a maybe like a five by five or something. It's like pretty a, big, yeah. yeah. It's, but like just laid out on the floor with all these ones and zeros. Mulder just sits down, looks at him, and Scully's like, "Well, I'm gonna go upstairs and see if I can find anything." So she goes upstairs, and then she glances back down at Mulder from the stairwell, and is like oh my God. And he's like, what? She's like, come up here. So he runs up there and there is a very, 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 very digital looking picture of Ruby that is made by all the ones and zeros when seen from a distance. Right. Which is funny you say that because so apparently it was a portrait was drawn by the assistant art director. His name's Greg Lowen and he made this big portrait and then uh, one of the other art people, I don't know exactly what her role is, but her name is Vivian Nishi. And she had to take the pieces of paper and overlay it onto this portrait and draw like kid style ones and zeros. 
in yeah, a way. Yeah, I guess they like projected it. it. They projected it up on the wall <laughs> to make it really yeah. big, and then she like just lined up paper and like drew it so it would look like a you know. So it's, it's kind of like a black and white drawing basically, but with like the ones and the zeros being right in the white. So, but she also had to make the ones and zeros look like a kid's handwriting. So apparently, it took a couple days for them to right. get this done. So it wasn't an easy project at all. No, but it is a very. It looks very almost like like looking at it. If you didn't know that story, you would think that they just like did that in a computer. Like they just yeah. put I mean, that on paper. Like very... it, it looks CGI'd almost kind of. Okay. Like bad CGI'd. But <laughs> it's just it's just very it's super detailed, is I guess what my thing my thing is. It definitely Yeah, it looks does like, it looks kinda like when you have those like Photoshop filters and you put yeah. it over someone to make them look like they're a stencil. Or which something. is why I think it looks like it, why it looks so fake. It lo- yeah. Which is why I think it looks like it's CGI'd onto just a bunch of like, paper <laughs> because it, it totally looks exactly like that. Like you said, yeah, like one of those sketch filters or something. Yeah. Yeah. It does. But it's Ruby's face. And so that explains why they ran out of the house. Clearly, Kevin yeah. finished assembling this and the mom was like, oh my God. Yeah. Or at um, least we, we guess it's Ruby's face. They know it's Ruby's face because they looked at the photo, especially Mulder with his little creepy fingers. But I mean, I wouldn't have known it was Ruby if you, they hadn't told me. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't We've really never seen her. <laughs> We've never really seen her except for those little photos going by. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, so they're like, boom, they like run out of the house. And they're trying to find Darlene and Kevin. Right. So they drive up to the lake and they do find the camper truck, like the truck with the camper thing, like parked on the side of the road. So they park behind it and they get out and they run into the woods. They've got their flashlights and they catch up with Darlene and Kevin has like run ahead. Mm -hmm. So Darlene's there. So Scully kind of stays with her and Mulder chases after Kevin and there's this bright light that appears and you think, oh man, it's the aliens. They're here. And this kid is just like walking towards this light. Mm-hmm. And then you hear this roar of like motorcycle engines. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of motorcycles coming over the hill. Right. Vroom. So Mulder like tackles the kid and then lays down on the ground because apparently motorcycles won't run over you if you're laying down on the ground. Like it's a I, horse know, or something, like horses, like the old like Western trope of like if you lay down on the ground, horses. It reminded me you. a lot in a very traumatic way of the Lion King, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just thinking, no, Simba, no. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it brought some flashbacks back. I was a child. Yeah, of the all 90s. these, and we're talking like dozens of motorcycles. Oh yeah, like this is clearly Kip's little biker gang, and there are a lot of them. Yeah, so this is a, like take a ride out to the lake and you'll get a sunburn in the middle of the night action so yeah they're just they, so they roar on past woo, hooping and hollering and just drive right past them nobody stops and be like oh my god we almost ran over a guy and a kid they just <laughs> keep on going so yeah yeah and when they're gone Mulder's like he's asking kevin if he's okay he's making sure he's all right and he's like look i know you're disappointed i yep. know you thought you'd find your sister and he definitely feels no, that he's like she's soul. back Ruby's back. And he's like, no, she's not. You're wrong. And then Scully's like, Mulder! And so they take off and run back into the forest. Right. Which is kind of ironic because apparently when they were filming this, like, a bunch of the crew got lost in the woods. Oh, no! When they were, like, putting up the Lake Okoboji sign and stuff, and they got lost. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently, like, Scully and Mulder are like, we know exactly where we are in the woods. We can find Darlene, and then Mulder can run off, and then he can go back and exactly find Scully and Darlene, but yeah. He's following the screams, you I know, so. he's there to follow. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so they find Darlene and Scully 
and Ruby. Yep. And Scully's giving her like CPR. Yeah. Because she's Which doesn't make a lot of sense, medically speaking, but that's okay. Well, you know. I mean, if she's unconscious, I guess it would depend on how her heart's doing. Was she, because like her shoulders are exposed, was that because Scully was giving her CPR or was she supposed to have been like naked and Scully like put her coat over her? I think she was supposed to be naked. Okay. I think that she was found naked and Scully like put her jacket on her, okay. but I'm not, I'd have to watch it again to be sure. Okay. So anyway, Ruby's back. Yeah. She's back. Yay. Yep. Yay. Yay. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm happy for Kevin. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Uh, although, so they go- although, I mean, it's not going to work out that well for Kevin. We're going to find out sadly, but so they go to the hot, well, we cut to the hospital and Ruby, it's obviously like the next day. Ruby is awake. She's in bed. Her lips are so chapped. Like, yeah. I want to give her chapstick so bad. It yeah, hurts apparently, me to apparently look at aliens it. don't have lotion or chapstick or anything. So, oh, man. It well, was I mean, rough. most of the greys don't really have lips. So oh, that, true. Would make, that would make true. sense. Yeah. So. And she tells Mulder that she was like told not to say where she's been. Yep. They told me I'm not supposed to tell anyone. And yeah, Mulder's good job, like, ooh, Ruby. Ooh. That, yeah, bury the lead there. Good job. So. But yeah, Mulder's like, you got to tell us. Right. And then Darlene shows up in the doorway. She's not happy Mm-mm. that they're there. So she's like, um, come outside, please. So they go out into the hallway. And oh, I guess we should say Kevin was in there because when they knock on the door to go in to see Ruby, Kevin was like in her room, like with her. Right. And when Mulder first goes to talk to her, she like doesn't want to talk to Mulder. And he's like, it's okay, Ruby. He knows. Right. Yeah. But she still doesn't tell him because right. they said that she's not supposed to. Right. So. And so Mulder talks to Darlene and Darlene's like, you, you need to leave us alone. And Mulder's like, you need to let Ruby tell her story. And Darlene's like, look, dude, that hasn't gone great for me. Okay. So yep. let her keep her secrets or whatever. Yep. And Mulder's clearly frustrated, but Darlene's just, she wants to protect her kids. She's got her daughter back. She wants them to leave them alone. Yep. And Mulder's like, well, she's going to want she's going to need to tell someone at some point. And she's like, who's she going to tell? Like it hasn't worked out well for me. And then he's like, what about Kevin? And she's kind of like, I think she doesn't say anything about Kevin, but then she says, she'll just tell the authorities that her daughter fell off the back of a Harley Davidson. And that's the end of it. Right. So, so yeah, so Kevin's probably not going to, you know, fare too well. He's going to have to live a life of denial and whatever. Well, I think he'll be okay. We'll see. Because I mean, maybe in their family they'll talk about it a lot because they've all seen stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on how supportive they are, I guess. Well, I wonder if he's still going to be, like, getting messages or not. Yeah, I don't know. And we I don't think we'll ever find out. But I would imagine if he is, that's going to be really hard to live with. <laughs> Yeah, so then we cut back to FBI headquarters. Mm-hmm. Scully's doing her thing, and she's listening to some audio cassettes. Yeah, she's listening to tapes of Mulder's hypnotic regression sessions, which, mm. oh, and basically he on the tape is talking about remembering being in bed, paralyzed, and basically unable to move while his sister is like crying his name for help. Yep. And. Obviously, you know. And the, and the hypnotist asks him if he's scared. And he says no. And the hypnotist is like, well, why? And he's like, because of the voices. And he's like, what voices? And somewhere in this time frame of Mulder's narration of the audio tapes, we actually cut to Mulder 
looking at pictures of his sister. Him right. His sister. He's in a church pew. Yep. And he's looking at him and his Sam in a photograph and he's like crying and he looks really yep. and so distraught. We, and so we continue to hear the audio tape of his hypnotic regression. And so he had been saying how he wasn't scared because the voices and he's like, well, what voices? And he's like, voices in my head. And he's like, well, what are they saying? And they're saying like, they won't hurt her not to be afraid because we won't hurt her. And the hypnotist asked him, well, do you believe it? He says, I want to believe. And scene. That's his poster, you guys. Yep. <laughs> no, it was really heartbreaking for me though. Like watching him like crying in the pew. Like that was really hard. Like I was like, I don't know. It's just really heartbreaking. <laughs> I don't know that he was actually crying. He was definitely upset. He was distraught. I thought there were and some he tears, was, and he but was I might very, have imagined that. And then, like, at that, when, when they're pulling back, because it kind of, like, pulls back so you actually see more of the church, and you get, like, he's framed by, like, the stained glass window and all that kind of stuff while he's sitting in the pew. And mm-hmm. then it kind of goes, and then it goes to black, and we get the, I want to believe, and then we see the, created by Chris Carter. Right. And then we get the theme song, and the rest of the credits, and, of course... I made this. So, yeah. And I think that I want to believe works on so many levels because it's like he wants to believe in the aliens, but he also wants to believe that his sister is out there somewhere and that she's okay. Yep. And so I think that was really effective. And also, it just made me want to cry a little. <laughs> oh, Mulder. Yep. Got the feels. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just hard. And like, I can't imagine what it's like for people who lose like a family member and they're just missing forever. Like that has to be. Yeah. Cause there's no, there's no, the there's no closure, there's, no resolution. You just have no idea what happened. And that's gotta be like the worst type of pain. Like I can't even imagine. So it's hard. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So that's this episode. So what do you think about the acting performances in this? I thought it was pretty good. Like I was pretty, I was pretty drawn into this whole episode. I thought everyone did a really good job. Like I I really believed it all and I didn't have any specific issues with it, so I liked it. Okay. I had seen some comments that David Duchovny's performance was a little a little wooden in this episode. I could maybe kind of see he's very reserved in this episode. He is. I mean, with, I think, with like, the exception of his bad cop performance. Right. He's very like I don't and his sp- little like skeptic act. Yeah, I w- but like even that's really low key. True. Like, like he doesn't. It's not playing it up. Like oh, that stuff is baloney. It's very like <laughs> low key, right? And like, but I can kind of get that because especially if you if you assume all the stuff that's going on in the back of his head while he's going mm-hmm. through the events of this, like there is that level of like detachment. So yeah. He, so even though in a way, his past is supposed to be driving him through the actions of this episode. It almost seems like he's pulled back because of it in a way too. So Yeah, so I didn't quite I think it's more that like because it's hitting so close to home that he's having trouble, like it's it's just kind of in the back of his head and it's running like a constant whatever. And so I think that's why for me, that's why the character would seem more reserved because he doesn't want to talk about how this is hitting close to home and how this is like And he may not even be consciously, like he does obviously consciously get the connection between Samantha and Ruby, 
but he may not even consciously realize the depth at which like he's like trying to find this girl because it, it'll will help him find Samantha. Although he's constantly being reminded that that's why he's yes, doing it. He so, is. Yeah. Scully's over there going, I know about your sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which I mean, I I think if your sister is missing, you never forget that. And it's that's I mean, that's why he's in the X Files, right? Yeah. Like that's his and he, motivation. And he may or may not have heard that like Blevins is trying to like, you know, kill it, not even let them go just because of the connection. So right. Yeah. So yeah, but I thought it was good. I didn't think he was wooden at all, but I mean I could see why people might. He does seem very yeah. like you said, reserved. Yeah, the actress who played Darlene was really familiar to me. Yeah, me too. And it may have just been like, I know she's been like, she's been like in a lot of TV shows, like, you know, like Murder, mm-hmm. She Wrote and that kind of stuff. But check this out. So I was, I was looking her up just to see like if I knew where I remembered her from. And I think I actually remember her from A Pale Rider because she was in A Pale Rider, the Clint Eastwood movie. Okay. But she was Sylvester Stallone's first choice to be Adrian in the Rocky series. Oh, wow. But she turned it down because... It was like, because it was like back then, like it was such a low budget movie. They didn't have any money. Like they were only going to pay her like $360 to do it. Oh my gosh. And Sylvester Stallone was like, I'll, I'll like, I'll give you like Mike. Cause obviously like he wrote it and directed it. Right. People forget about that. Like with the Rocky, the first Rocky movie, like Sylvester Stallone wrote the movie. He directed it. Right. But he was like willing to give her like some of his cut of the movie to be in it. Like he really wanted her to be in the movie, but she was just like, no. And she'd been away from acting for a while, I guess, because she had won a golden globe in 1970 for a movie called Diary of a Mad Housewife. Okay. But then she stopped acting because apparently she was Neil Young's girlfriend, like his partner for a while. And they had a kid and the kid had like a mild form of cerebral palsy. So she took like seven or eight years off of acting to like take care of their kid. Be a mom. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. But yeah, so she was, she could have been Adrian. Oh man. Yeah. Well, she does a good job as Darlene Morris. I really, I liked her a lot. Yeah, she, I thought she was she, very well. Sadly, she died in 2004. Oh, so, no. Yeah, she's not with us anymore. So That's too bad. Yeah, but no, I think everyone in this, I, like I said, I think Mulder's performance was kind of low key. I could kind of, I, like I said, I, like you said, I could see where maybe people would be saying that. I don't think it was that really that bad. There were a lot of people don't seem to like this episode. Yeah, which is funny because... I actually like this one, I think is my favorite so far. Really? Like, okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, other than maybe the pilot, like, I think I like this one. And I don't know, it's not that I like this story as much. I mean, the UFO thing or whatever is cool. But I think just because maybe the pacing or something about where, you know, how it all came together. And also, I think because it was so character like driven for yeah. Mulder. Yeah, the character kind of, thing seems to be what most people talk about because a lot of people say like the plot itself is like really weak. Yeah, I mean, the plot's not great. It's pretty basic. It's like the girl goes missing and then they solve the murder and that was kind of anticlimactic and like it wasn't that exciting. But like just I think because of like both what we learned about Mulder and Scully's reaction to that, I thought it was really interesting. So oh, I, really, I mean, I mean, that's basically the same plot as the pilot though, in a way. It's really similar. It is. Yeah. So it a, definitely a, a girl has is, a girl is a girl is well, we don't know what well, girl is missing, right? Well, we in right. the first one a girl's dead. This one a girl's missing. And it was like slightly different UFO stuff. Like it definitely reminded me more of Travis Walton's story than yeah. like Betty and Barney Hill. And so there is a little variation there, but I did think like in terms of just enjoyability, like I was trying to take notes about what I was seeing and I was like forgetting to because I was just getting so into it. <laughs> yeah. I try to not, I try to just like, I try to just watch the episode and like mentally I try to 
pay attention to things I want to go back to. But then I find myself having to like rewrite my notes repeatedly because I write my notes out and then I think of something else and I feel like try and squeeze them in because I'm writing them longhand and you start typing them because doing that. Yeah. I'm rewriting them like three or four times. And it's a nightmare. But speaking of notes, we forgot to mention that Lay had done blood work on Ruby and Mulder's like, Oh, was her lymphocyte count like this? And blah blah blah. And Scully's oh. like, Oh yeah, how did you know that? And her white blood cell count was really high. And Mulder's like, oh, yeah, those are all things that astronauts experience after prolonged weightlessness. And so that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, but then, and then they knock on the door, and that's when then Kevin walks yeah. over and lets them in. Yeah. But I just – so, like, there is some evidence that she was, like, in outer space, which for Mulder is very exciting, I'm sure. Yeah. Of course, those could be caused by other things, like yeah. infections and stuff. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So now let's talk, uh, we've, we've kind of talked about that a little bit. But I think we've decided, this was your idea, we've yeah. decided that we're going to start rating the episodes and then, yeah, keep, and then keep track and go back over and see how things look after the season. Yeah, I thought it'd be good at the end of every episode to kind of give it like a 1 through 10 rating, just because okay. I'm curious to see how we'll feel both at the end of the season and also like when we're out in season four, like how are we feeling about how the episodes are stacking up versus okay. season Okay, so one. what is going to be our baseline for 10 like the one through 10 like 10 obviously is like the best right but like what are we comparing that to like i don't know because so i'm pretty stingy i gotta say with ratings because i tend to be like well but something could be better okay so i think it's got to be mostly like a one is going to be an episode that you not only would never watch again but you wish you hadn't watched it the first time okay and you really just don't like it you don't think it's very good and you wouldn't recommend anyone else ever watch it you would maybe even recommend that people skip it if they're going to watch the x-files okay so that's a one okay and then what's the what's what would be the equivalent of a 10 so we're not so we're not using zero right no so it's one to ten and are we so one is the lowest are we doing halves or are we just doing whole numbers i think we should stick to whole numbers because you can kind of round okay so we have 10 rankings then because we're doing one through 10 so yeah. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Okay. Yeah. And so ten would be what's your description of a ten then? So I feel like ten is an episode that you just love to pieces, like everything about it works for you. Um, it's obviously a very objective Okay. Or subjective, not objective. It's a very subjective, like this episode is everything I want an X Files episode to be, and I would watch it. 10 more times and honestly if i were trying to get someone to watch the x-files i would sit down and i would like watch this episode with them and be like look how good this show is okay now because i'm nitpicky right we've made the Mm -hmm. joke of like nick pick right um would a 10 have any kind of like after the fact you went back and looked at it and was like you know, this kind of didn't make sense. Or is it just like pure, you watched it enjoyment. If there's something going on later, that doesn't count. Or does that kind of stuff detract from a 10 as well? I mean, I think that's got to be up to you, right? Like that's, it's your personal rating. So you've got to decide if that's something that's going to factor in. For me, the after the fact stuff, like we talked about earlier, doesn't bother me as much as the stuff where like I'm in the episode going, how does that work? Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, because we talked a lot about that with the pilot. We we, we went back and did something like after the fact. So for you, that stuff isn't going to matter. It's just like when you watch it I mean, it might. Well, I guess if you pick it up during the episode, you might, I guess that would be Okay. 
and it'll it'll and you know like this is obviously a really subjective like you're just picking a number and i'm also like afraid to give anything a 10 okay because <laughs> there might be like a better episode uh okay. which is not the best scale so like i don't know how how i might be a little stingy with that well we're so i'm gonna well, try we're, to force myself we're like not banging this out in real time here so everyone's gonna get, get to hear how our brains work right because I had the thought of maybe I think we both agree that like the pilot episode is really good, yes, and also works as a super standalone. Like if like yes. like I even mentioned it when we did it. Like if this was all that existed, it would be fantastic. But you would also be like, oh my god, why didn't no one ever do anything more than this? Right. right? So my thought was, what if we used the pilot as a baseline? Okay, we could do that. So like that's a ten. Yeah, so maybe, okay. so maybe our range wouldn't be one to ten. It would be like, I mean, this makes it even more complicated. So maybe this is a bad idea. But like plus <laughs> or minus the pilot, and so like our range might be like, say, like if if that's the baseline, like th- things could be better than the pilot. Right. Well, that's why you got. That's why I'm giving the pilot a nine. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe that solves the problem. Okay, let's do um, that. Because I think the pilot is really good. But I do think there's a little room for improvement. <laughs> okay. So that okay, so that maybe answers the question. So let's do that. Because I was also gonna ask you, are we gonna go back and rate the yeah. first our first three episodes as well? So we're gonna do those first and then come to this episode? Yeah, so I think we should just go kind of assign a number and then um and it might not be as fresh in our minds. So like when we look back on it, we may be like, Oh well, we hadn't seen it in a couple of weeks or whatever. Okay. But yeah, that way we just have them and then we can kind of Okay, so you that. are giving the pilot episode a 10. I'm sorry, a, a nine. 9. My bad. I I'm giving those. it a 9 because it's really good. And like, again, like you said, if that was the only X-Files thing that ever existed, I would still make people watch it all the time. But okay. I do think that like, I did have a few issues with it. So Okay, so you're giving it a 9. I will probably do the same, I think. Because, yeah, I mean, there were some things, like, I had some things after the fact. And like you said, that's my, whether I want to count after the fact or not. Right. Just watching it, maybe I had a few things that stuck out to me, but nothing big. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that, I don't, I'm not sure that there's going to be a 10. Maybe, yeah, I don't know either. It'll be interesting to see if I'm willing to give something a 10. Maybe so. in an ideal world, there would never be a 10. And maybe there would also never be a 1. Yeah, I would hope not, so, but, you know, we'll see. Okay, well, let's find out, because now we're going to talk about Deep Throat. Yeah. So what do you think about Deep Throat? So I was thinking about this earlier, and I think I'm going to give Deep Throat just, like, a five. A five, okay. Because for me, it's pretty average. It gets done what it needs to get done. It had some some good parts, but it wasn't super exceptional, and it wasn't, like, my favorite thing. So I'm struggling a little bit, because... So far, I mean, we're only four episodes in. Mm-hmm. Deep Throat is the worst episode. Yeah, it is so the far. worst episode so far. It does, however, introduce a character which I know, I mean, using knowledge that doesn't exist for someone just watching the show for the first time, I know this character plays a role yes, later. Yes, he does. So I can't just disregard, I couldn't give it a one because a one would be like, don't ever watch this episode. Right. Because then you would miss the whole Deep Throat part. I do think that maybe if you like cut that part off and then cut the end off where he reappears and just didn't watch everything else in between, you really wouldn't miss anything. Okay. So I'm thinking, I'm trying to figure out if I'm, how, how bad I want to get this. <laughs> I figured yours would be lower on this one for yeah. sure. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide if I want to do a two or a three. 
I think I would, I think I would happily give it a two and a half, but we decided that we're not going to do halves. We're just going to do integers. Right. So two seems kind of harsh. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I'm going to give it a three mainly because of the, the, the inclusion of the deep throw part. Like okay. that has, that has to be included. I do think this, that episode could not exist, which with one reason why I didn't remember conduit much either. When we came to watch it, I was worried because it's the same director that it was going to be bad. Yeah. But yeah, we'll I know you were that. afraid of that. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that because first, before we do that, we got to do squeeze right. the third episode. So what was your, what would you give Squeeze? So Squeeze, I'm a little torn on because I thought it was really good. It was really well done. I really love parts of it. It had one of my favorite scenes in the whole show so far, which is Mulder, like, what was that? Where Mulder was... Oh, with the reticulins and... Oh, yeah, where Mulder was messing with the guy. I thought that was (laughs) hilarious. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was really well acted. Everything was good. It was creepy. It was scary. It's not the kind of episode that I want to rewatch a lot, though. And had paternalism um, and misogyny and all I mean kinds that of fun too. stuff. <laughs> so I think I'm going to, I'm kind of going between six and seven, to be honest. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to give it a seven just because it did have a lot of really great stuff. And it was nice to have like our first non-UFO episode. Okay. I think, hmm, again, I'm having trouble. A point five would help me out a lot here, but we're not doing <laughs> we, point five. We can do points if we can. No, no, no. We already. I mean, no. I think I would. Well, maybe we will because I think maybe. Okay, so maybe I might jump back and do deep throw with a two point five. Okay. And then if we're if we're allowed to do point five, so I'm going to give deep throw a two point five. I'm going to give this a seven point five. Okay. Because it is a very good episode. Also, it hits a lot of those points. Like I mentioned this and you haven't seen it. And like I said, we're going to rectify that. But I'm a really big fan of, much like Chris Carter, I guess, of the Night Stalker and Night Strangler Kolchak TV movies. Mm -hmm. And the Squeeze episode just hit so many of those atmospherics from like the Night Stalker for me. Okay. So that, I mean, some of that's like nostalgia, I guess, was kind of clouding my judgment. But yeah, I think Squeeze gets a 7.5. Okay, cool. And also, I think it would be a much better second episode than Deep Throat was. Yeah. So, All right. So let's jump into Conduit. Yes. What do you think about Conduit then? So I really liked it. Like I said, I got really lost in it. And like, again, it's more character driven. And so my love of it is probably more based on that than the plot, which is, it gets there. It doesn't have as many, like I said, it's it's very similar to the pilot. Yeah, it's it, got a lot it, of stuff going on. And but it, it doesn't have it doesn't have all those twists that the pilot had. Yeah. The pilot had a lot of extra stuff going on where at first you thought maybe it was gonna go one way and then go another way. I mean, this we do get kind of a twist because we think, oh, you know, we think it might be a murder mystery, which it kind of was in a way, but right. it turns out that actually what they're actually the actual case they're working on is not, they solved another case that no one even knew existed. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, it doesn't have the same intricacies, I guess, as the pilot, even though it's a similar kind of story. Right. So I think I'm going to give it an eight. An eight. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to rank this higher than squeeze. Yeah. I liked it more. Um, Okay. I I think I liked it more just again, because of the character stuff. I thought that was really good. 
I might, I might do 7.5. If we're going to do like halves, I might go 7.5. But I do think it's really good. And I think if you watch the pilot and then you watch this, like those two episodes alone are just like, this is what the X-Files is. <laughs> you know what you could have done? What they, what they seriously could have done? Uh, it's the same director, right? That worked on Deep Throat and worked yeah. on this one. And yeah, I'm the same way. Like total flip. Like I do not like Deep Throat. I really like this episode. I just had the realization, if you cut that scene with Deep Throat from the beginning, mm-hmm. put it in this episode, it would make the episode longer because you couldn't cut anything else out, right? But inserted that into this episode and then took the end scene off and inserted it into this one. You would you would lose a little bit because you don't get the whole like, you know, being roughed up by men in black kind of action. But you would still get like Mulder upset at the end, right? Because mm-hmm. he's upset in the churchyard. If you actually put those two deep throat scenes onto this episode, you could throw away the rest of deep throat. Yeah. Well, it's funny that they were filmed back to back because they are very similar and they have a really similar like idea. Yeah, but this despite being written by different people. Right. But this one's stronger for sure by a yeah. lot. So are you going to go with eight or are you going to go with seven, five? You know what? I'm going to go with eight because I'm going I'm to okay. trust my gut on this one. I'm going to go eight. Okay. You can be the integer person and I'll be the... <laughs> so. I mean, there'll be ones where I'm going to have to throw in that point five. I'm sure, at some okay. point. Okay. Well, I am going to give this one the same that I gave Squeeze. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Nice. So actually, our, our episodes three and four average out to the same because you gave a seven and an eight. I gave a 7.5 and a 7.5 and that's a 7.5. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So 7.5 for Conduit. Cool. And then we will do a season one wrap up and we will look at what the season looks like. Yeah. We'll have our numbers. How we felt about everything and what our least favorite episodes were and our favorite episodes. So that'll be fun. So there is one thing that I was reminded of though, when we were talking about deep throat and then we're talking about this episode is like, why suddenly are we not wanting to give Mulder money to go visit places about weird cases? It seems like that would have been a better thing for Deep Throat because we get Deep Throat saying like, don't go on, don't go investigate this. And if he's like higher up, wouldn't he have been like put pressure on Blevins to maybe not give them money to go do it? Yeah. But no, nothing point. happened there. But anyway, another reason why I think you just merged those two episodes together. And then- yeah. Although I think with this one, and honestly, this is just me, but like, I think that because in the proposal, he put that article about the missing teen taken from tent by aliens. And yeah. so I think Blevin saw that and is like immediately shut down. Like, it doesn't matter if the news story is relevant or not. Yeah. You see that headline and you're like, we're not paying for this. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the other one is like, well, I mean, I don't know. Because we actually don't get, I mean, we do we actually get even Mulder's reasons for doing the case aside from just like the UFO activity and the missing dude? I think just because it had happened before and he thought yeah. in UFO activity. So that was pretty much it. Because he gives Scully the case to look at, but then he goes off to the bathroom. So he doesn't really describe it much to her because then he's talking with a deep throat. So, right. but yeah, it just seemed like that one would have been more of like where they would try, maybe tried harder to dissuade him from going there than just deep throat but it's just me so and this is uh blevin's second episode although he's mentioned in squeeze but he doesn't appear in squeeze so yeah because no one talks about him at all in deep throat no 
He's not yeah. even a factor. So I guess Mulder already got approval. I guess so. <laughs> All right. I would, I would love to see Mulder's submission process. Like, <laughs> I would love to see the cases Blevins has rejected. Well, like his uh. Like all the people above him, like the, all the steps you have to go to, because when the NSA is harassing him, he says like, and they're like, we're going to send you back to Washington. It's like, you can't do that because you have to go through this person and this person and this person. So there, uh, stick it. <laughs> like he gives them like the whole like hierarchy of who you have to go through before you can like make him give up on a case. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's funny though. I would love to see like the ones Blevins was like, no. Because I'm sure there's some really good ones in there. Probably some Bigfoot hunting, I would think. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, if I remember correctly, there's like two levels between Mulder and Blevins. So, like, it has to go from Mulder to someone to someone, and then it goes to Blevins. So, anyway. Hmm. Yeah. I Weird. could be wrong. No, you're Who probably knows? right. If I knew we were going to talk about that, I would have, like, wrote notes about it, but I didn't. Yeah, sorry. I know I, I kind of sprung that on you when we started recording. I'm like, we should rate these. Let's rate them so we have a number system because that. Well, no, but I mean, that wouldn't even had to do with this. This was just an aside, me talking about Blevins not giving him money and then <laughs> what the process would be. So, yeah. I'm guessing Mulder does a lot of the like ask for forgiveness, kind of submitting pay, like what is it called? Submitting like those forms where you get paid back for stuff. Oh, like the uh, reimbursement. Reimbursement forms. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure he probably submits a lot of those without a lot of explanation. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, yeah, rented a car to drive here. And yeah, like, I spent, spent $20 on a UFO photo at a diner. I mean, that's souvenirs. You gotta pick up a couple. <laughs> no, that's case file photo right there. Boom. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, I guess the men in black stole that probably when they yeah. took all the other papers. So <laughs> yeah, they did. Well, <laughs> No, because he had it at the end. I think it must have been in his hotel. Oh, that's right, because he did... Oh, I don't remember the time frame now. God, it's only... Not me either. It's been a while. Been like, yeah, it's been two episodes ago. I don't remember anything. I'll have to rewatch it again. I have to do another podcast called I Want to Rewatch Again. Because <laughs> I'm old and can't remember anything. <laughs> oh, dear. Speaking of remembering things, do you remember what you looked at for this episode? Oh, yes. So um, my only real source this episode that I got anything from was The Truth is Out There by Brian Lowry. Okay. And also Wikipedia. Four for four on the Brian Lowry book. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty helpful. Yeah. So I used Wikipedia again, but I only actually used it to look up Don Gibb, who is Ogre, and then Carrie Snodgrass, who played Darlene Morris, just to look up their stuff. So I actually didn't use it for any episode things. So what I did use for the episodes was my own eyes again. And then I also used the X-Files Declassified by Frank. I do not know how to say this dude's last name. It is L-O-V-E-C-E. Levis? I'm not sure. L-O-V-E-C-E. Yeah. I keep wanting to say Lovelace. I'm adding letters to his name. Right. But yeah, it's not that. Okay. Yeah, so Frank, I'm going to say Loves is what I'm going to say. Okay. Probably not right. Sorry, dude. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I used those two. That's it. Cool. Yep. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. You can find us at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch 
or wherever fine podcasts are found. Or simply head over to IWantToRewatch.com. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at RewatchXFiles. And on Instagram, we are IWantToRewatch. You can also email us at IWantToRewatch at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash IWantToRewatch by clicking on the message button. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode five, The Jersey Devil. And try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still still out there. Apparently, Scolder or Scolder again with the <laughs> again with the Scolder. Oh, I'm I'm eventually just going to leave these in. I maybe maybe I need to not edit these out so that they just become a thing. Scolder, Scolder, Scolder. Their ship name. Yeah, this is that's on the bingo card for the for the podcast. Does Nick say Scolder in this episode?